Christ Church once again on Wednesday. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, we've been looking at um, uh, various doctrines of the Bible, and um, this is the final one uh, in this series. Um, where we're going to be looking at uh, the doctrine of future things, um, and we're going to open our Bibles first to Isaiah chapter 53. I'm turning your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 53, and the Bible said, reads, who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet... He opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion of the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. What an incredible passage of scripture. And um, this was written in uh, around between 740 and 680 BC. And um, if you notice, it, it, what I was looking at when I was looking at this, it um, says he, him, and his 46 times. What's what something? It talks about he and him and he and his 46 different times. Now I'd like to also read in chapter eight, Acts chapter 8, verse 30. Acts chapter 8, and verse 30. Turn to that one. Most will know this passage. And uh, it says here, in Acts chapter 8, verse 30, it says, And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. And he said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said unto him, How can I, except some man should guide me? 
and he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. <coughs> and the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, to whom speaketh the prophet in this, of himself or of some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So this same passage, Philip was preaching to the, uh, the, the, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, was reading this same passage. And uh, of course he didn't understand. Who is he talking about there? And then Philip preached unto him Jesus, because this passage is, is looking to the Lord Jesus Christ and his uh, suffering, his death and resurrection. Now there's one more passage I'd like to read before we uh, get on. And this is chap uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and verse 13. This is a, a, a chapter that, um, regarding the rapture of the church. And, um, there's going to come a day which it could be at any moment it could be at the, before we finish this message that the Lord Jesus could shout and the voice of the archangel the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in there it could happen at any moment so let's just read these verses 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13 through 17 Bible says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Now that word ignorant means destitute of knowledge or uninstructed or uninformed. Brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them that which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And they really are comforting words, aren't they? Let's uh, just have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for these wonderful passages of Scripture. And pray that Lord, you just um, help me to present this message in uh, clarity. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I know these are quite, quite a long, uh, long bit of reading of the Scripture. But the reason I read them, uh, both Isaiah and Thessalonians in particular, and that these passages of Scripture um, are both revealing future events at the time that they were penned. Much prophecy has already been fulfilled, which would make the things that are coming in the future for us more sure. We know that when Isaiah predicted that, uh, in, in uh, chapter 53 of Isaiah, he predicted the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he would suffer, that he would die, and he would rise again. It's all um, uh, told and that was 600 years beforehand now we know that uh, the Bible also says in Thessalonians that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming it's been a long time but 
we can be sure that what God has promised, He is going to do it. Time is ever going along, and things uh, that are yet in the future will someday pass into history. In our church, we believe that God is omniscient. I mean, he's, uh, it's an attribute of God. God knows everything. He's all-knowing. God has infinite knowledge. God knows the future, and He has revealed it to us in His Word, the Bible. God has a plan for the ages. In our church, we believe in a literal interpretation of the Bible. And when you take this interpretation, that is plainly, it's inevitable you come to a pre-tribulation rapture. Well, I mean, that is, there's coming a time that once the, the, the church has been removed out of this earth, there's going to be a time of seven years of tribulation. The Bible mm -hmm. teaches that. And that is, uh, um, once the, the, we believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, means the church will be taken out before that time when God's wrath is going to fall upon this earth, a time which is too terrible to, to even contemplate. We believe in a premillennial return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means that Jesus can, when Jesus comes back after the seven years to put his feet on this earth, on the Mount of Olives, when he comes to set up his kingdom, that is going to be the return of the Lord Jesus. We believe that he comes before the thousand-year reign. He's going to reign for a thousand years. Perfect time of absolute perfection and perfect. Um, we um, also believe um, there's a time called the tribulation, um, and that all that takes place in that terrible period which ends with, ends with the Battle of Armageddon, uh, where the armies of the world will, will try to uh, uh, thwart, um, take over, and destroy Jerusalem and, and confront the Lord Jesus Christ, which will be just futile, absolutely futile. The destruction of the armies by the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we believe in a pre-millennial second coming uh, uh, return of the Lord Jesus Christ as it comes before the uh, thousand years. Some people believe that there will be no thousand years. That uh, one day Jesus is just going to come and, uh, and that will be it. There's a plan and, and God has laid it out in His Word. It's, it's quite clear. Uh, the Lord Jesus is going to return. He's going to return to the Mount of Olives where he went up. The angel said, Jesus went up. He says, Why are you looking up there? The same Lord Jesus you see going up is going to come the same, in the same manner, come back down to the same place. Okay, so we're going to look at a few things here. In the book of Revelation, there are uh, there is a, a person called the Beast. There's a piece of a person called the, the false prophet. And um, after, the, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes and returns, he's going to, these, um, this beast and false prophet are going to be cast alive into the lake of fire. Satan is going to be bound for a thousand years. Then the thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to begin. After that thousand years are ended, Satan is going to be released again to draw men away to destruction. And what's quite incredible is that after all the, uh, after a thousand years of perfect peace, perfect world, when Satan is released for that after the, uh, of that thousand years for a short space, he's going to deceive the whole world again. Well, not the whole world, but a lot of people. This is like the sand of the sea. They're going to try and encompass, uh, come around, but they're going to be all destroyed. 
and um, into the lake of fire with them. So, uh, okay, so um, Satan's going to be cast in. After that, Satan will be cast into the lake of fire forever. And the great white throne judgment is going to take place where all the unsaved are going to be judged. Then there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and the great city of God which will come down out of heaven and then we go into the eternal state. So there are some things that need to be clarified when we look at all of these things. The Bible speaks of the three people in the world. There are only three types of people in the world. Anybody know who those are, who they are? Scotsman? Uh, no. I forgot that one. God's country. There's Jews. Gentiles. Gentiles. And the Church of God. Yeah. Alright. There's only three. Once the rapture takes place, there will only be Jews and Gentiles. If you read the book of Revelation, after chapter 3, in the beginning of chapter 4, the church is not mentioned. Because the church is in heaven already. All believers, all those who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ will be in heaven. So one day there will only be Jews and Gentiles in the world. We have to, uh, there has to be a clear understanding regarding these three. Otherwise there is confusion. God is not finished with the Jewish people. Many people say that uh, the church is Israel. That's a false that is not true at all. The church is not Israel. The church has not replaced Israel. The book of Revelation of Jesus Christ has not been fulfilled already, as some people would have us believe. With all kinds of wild interpretations coming, claiming that the Revelation is all symbolism and has nothing to do with future events, or that they have been or are being fulfilled now. As Christians, we ought to know that God's prophetic, what prophetic, uh, God's prophetic plan is and without any sensationalism, we have to remember that central to all the scripture is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the center of everything. Um, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. Jesus Christ said that of himself in the book of Revelation. If you look back in Isaiah, let's turn here quickly and just read a couple of verses for you. Isaiah 44, 44, 6, verse 6, the Bible says here, Thus saith the Lord, this is, Thus saith the Lord, Lord is in capitals, that means that word Lord is Jehovah, that is God himself. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last. And beside me there is no God. It's quite an interesting statement, isn't it? What does that prove? Well, it proves that Jesus Christ is God. <laughs> because he said, I am the first and the last. The Lord Jesus Christ said in Luke chapter 24, verses 25 through 27. Now, um, and most people know, know this is out of the Bible and we're um, after the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, uh, um, and uh, his resurrection. There was uh, a man, Cleopas, and somebody with him that were walking to Emmaus on the road. And Jesus <coughs> appeared to them. 
but they didn't notice it was him. And he was talking to them. And he said, <coughs> in the, uh, chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, through 25 through 27, he says, Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things, and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses, and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. <coughs> Jesus is mentioned in the whole Bible. The central theme of everything, everything in the Bible, all is to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the central uh, uh, theme of the whole Bible. In Luke 24, 44 through 48, he says, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. These then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ. That word behooved means necessary. Thus it necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So there are things to come. Some, many things have been fulfilled already, and the chances of all of those being fulfilled as they were are very high, just by chance. Uh, the, the odds of all the fulfilled uh, prophecy in the Bible is in, it's enormous uh, trillions and trillions and trillions to one the chances that they would actually happen it's huge odds we have to be careful not to become too extreme with uh, disproportionate uh, uh, emphasis on prophecy but we ought to preach the whole counsel of God I mean, if every week we were always preaching on, on these things every week, but there's other things that need to be preached, um, like uh, um, families and, and um, uh, stewardship uh, and other things that need to be preached. We heard a message last, or this last Sunday, great message. Um, we need those things, but we also need to know what's coming, because it gives us hope. <laughs> We have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And prophecy mustn't be overlooked. So John 16.13 says, Albeit, that means however, when the Spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. So He was um, the Spirit of God would reveal to the, uh, the apostles the things to come, and they would write those things down. So, what about Israel? The word Israel um, <coughs> means he fights or persists with God. Remember when Israel, uh, Jacob uh, wrestled with God, and God gave him a new name, Israel which means he fights or persists with God. 
There are certain promises that are made to Israel which have not been fulfilled. Israel has been promised a kingdom, a time of unparalleled prosperity, and that is going to be that is going to happen. It's going to be for a thousand years. Amos 9.13 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes, him that soweth seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. So, we've been promised a kingdom. The Jews have been promised a kingdom. They've been promised a king who is going to reign over them forever. In Luke 1.31-33 says, And behold, Thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of this kingdom there shall be no end. So they've been promised a kingdom, they've been promised a king who's going to reign forever. And there's going to be some amazing changes in the world. In Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 12, and it says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ now. And the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he and shall make him of quick understanding, in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove the equity for the meek of the earth. So talking about here is when the Lord Jesus Christ comes and set up his kingdom. The Lord Jesus, when a judge stands in the court, and he judges, he will make a judgment by what he hears, and what he sees. How else will you be able to make the judgment? But the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't judge by what he sees and what he hears. He is of living understanding, quick understanding. He knows everything. So it says he won't judge after his eyes, but he will judge with righteousness. He will judge because he knows everything. So he doesn't need somebody to tell him, oh, look what he's done. He knows everything already. He knows it. Um, and it says, And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips, and he shall slay the wicked. The righteous shall be the girdle of his righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed, the young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the sucking child mm. shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaning child shall put his hand in the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, and as the waters cover the sea. It's quite an interesting statement there, but once the Lord Jesus Christ returns to this earth, Everything will change. Animals won't be the same. In a child would put their hand into a cobra's den. <laughs> Wouldn't do that now. <laughs> you would see as far away as you possibly could. 
but um, yeah, it, it's it's an amazing thing. Um, longevity will be restored. People will live, will will have the possibility to live a thousand years. They could live a thousand years, but, but remember. People probably would say, I wouldn't like to live a thousand years now. <laughs> but in, in that time, it's going to be so so good. It'll be an amazing time. Okay, so death will be um, uh, the exception rather than the rule. Very few people uh, will die in that time. And he even says that uh, if a uh, person dies at 100, they'll be but a child. Quite an interesting thing. Uh, we believe that all born-again Christians will be removed from the earth before the seven-year tribulation. So we believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. Before the seven years comes, we are going to be removed from the earth. Uh, we've just read that verse, uh, those verses, but I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Do you sorrow not even as others which have no hope? Or if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also will sleep in Jesus, will God bring with them with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Sleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a blessing. What a thing. Be with the Lord forever. Much better, much better than being here. But while we're here, we, we try and do our best to serve Him. Uh, okay, so uh, how are we doing for time? Are we okay? Um, John 14:3 says, And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. It is thought that after the rapture, there is going to be a judgment of believers by the Lord Jesus Christ. Not for sin. Jesus Christ has already paid for our sins on the cross. But there is a judgment uh, for believers. But for the things that we've done in the body. And the receiving of or loss of rewards will take place. But we will not be, uh, lose our salvation. Salvation will never be lost. Once you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus promises eternal life. You have eternal life. But there will be rewards or loss of rewards. But you will still be saved. So that's, that's a good thing. <coughs> it would be better to, to serve the Lord. You know? Rather have him say, well done. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all be, appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. So now we come to this, the tribulation. So after the rapture of the church, there will be a seven-year period of terrible, terrible judgments. Um, and that book of Revelation reveals it. Probably by the end of the tribulation, there will probably be about uh, only about a quarter of the population left. There will be very few people left. There will be a lot of People will die. It's not going to be very good at all. It's going to be terrible, terrible, terrible times. We think, and that's a that's the thing you want to escape. 
you you don't want to go through that. It's better to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and be caught up and then be left here. And left behind. It's just not going to be fun at all. It's going to be very, very hard and difficult. In Matthew 24, 21, it says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as were not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So we know that the period is seven years because it is the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. There's a prophecy written in the book of Daniel. It's the prophecy of the 70 weeks. And um, it, it tells you exactly when the Lord Jesus Christ uh, came and uh, what's going to happen with the nation of Israel. Um, it's quite an interesting statement that here where it says that um, except the elects, uh, for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. I've heard some people say that, well, it's going to be seven years. Period. So except those days short, are shortened, so is it possible that maybe God is going to shorten the day, the length of the day, towards the end? So that, because it says here, unless those days are cut short, nobody would live. There's going to be an awful time. Maybe God's going to shorten the days. Maybe the day will only be 16 hours instead of 24. <laughs> it's possible. You don't know that, but who knows? Because the period is definitely going to be seven years, but it can't be any less than seven years. Quite an interesting thing, isn't it? So, but, so let's have a look at Daniel 24 quickly. Just um, let's have a look at that. Uh, this prophecy of the 70 weeks. Uh, there we go. Um, it says here, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build. Oh, okay, here we are. Sorry. Let's go back to 24. Better. Um, this, uh, we must remember that Daniel is speaking about the Jewish people. Is talking to Jews about Jews. This is re a revelation to the Jewish people. And it says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, <coughs> which is the Jew. Daniel was a Jew. And upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness. And we know, know that uh, sin has been paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says here, and to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So we see here that um, to make an end of sins, to make a reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy. For know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. Now we know that uh, these weeks are seven weeks of years, which are 49 years. Seven weeks is 49 years. We know that. And three score and two weeks, which is 62 weeks. So 
is seven weeks and six, uh, uh, 62 weeks, which is 69 weeks. 69 weeks, and it says here, Messiah the Prince, uh, to, to when Jesus Lord, the, the Lord Jesus Christ come, will be 69 weeks. So it's seven weeks to the building of the, 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 the city, building of Jerusalem, the walls of the city. Then it's going to be, after that, it's going to be another uh, 62 weeks, which is uh, a period of 434 years. So it took 49 years to build, uh, seven weeks, 49 years, from the decree. There was a decree uh, uh, that went out. Uh, and that decree was sent out by a man by the name, it says here, of the commandment to restore and to build Jews. And that commandment went out by Artaxerxes Longinanus. I know. I must have had a hard time spelling his name out. <laughs> it, must have been, it must have been the coolest guy with two X's in his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, so, um, but anyway, he, uh, he gave that command. And once that command was done, it was, that was in the year uh, 445 BC. So it was um, 49, uh, uh, 49 years to the, the building of the, uh, to the walls of the city, the building of the city. From there, it was 62 weeks. So that, up till the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they, they measured this out, that 30, April the 6th, 32 AD, was 69 weeks exactly after that commandment was given. I mean, that is an amazing thing. So, but that was only 69 weeks, and it says the Messiah will be Messiah the Prince will be seven weeks and three score and two weeks, and the street shall be built again, wall in troublous times. And after three score and two weeks, this is after the walls have been built, shall Messiah be cut off. The Messiah will come, but he says he will be cut off. That means he will be killed. But not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And it says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. So now there's that 70th week. So we've had the 69 weeks up to the coming of the Messiah, and he was cut off. So there's still the says 70 weeks are determined. So that week is, is uh, mentioned, the book of Revelation is, is seven years long. We know that. It says so. But in between, God is building his church. Daniel didn't see that. When Daniel looked and he saw that 490, he saw Israel's history right to the end. 490 years, he was told about that. But he was valley between so he saw the 62 weeks uh, 69 weeks up to coming of Messiah he's told and then there's another week but he didn't he thought they were all one but between that 70th week and the 69th week there's a gap and that is where time out God is building the church but God is once more going to start to be a deal with Israel and uh, that will happen after the church has been removed and then there will be that time of Jacob's trouble.
that after the terrible time, the judgments of the tribulation, the Lord Jesus is going to return. So after that, the 70th week has come to its end. The great tribulation, which is explained in the whole book of Revelation. Jesus Christ is going to return. And he is going to destroy the armies that are gathered at the Battle of Armageddon. Revelation 19. Let's have a look at that Revelation 19. I think we should stop there. Um, I think we can carry on with this next week. Uh, we've only got up to uh, Daniel. Um, next week we'll carry on with this. Um, and uh, we'll be looking at a few other things. And it's not that much, not much to look at. So I'm, I'm doing a quick overview of all this stuff. So, okay. So let's, we'll go back to this next week and learn about the um, Armageddon, the beast, uh, the false prophet, and uh, all those other things. Okay, let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, thank you for your goodness to us. And, Lord, these are, uh, can be difficult things. Lord, I uh, thank you that, Lord, you um, have made it so it is possible for us to understand. Pray that, Lord, you just give us wisdom and grace and understanding. May the Lord you be with everyone and keep us all safe. And for those who are listening, the Lord you'd um, uh, reach their heart, help them to understand the, the Word of God. And uh, that you love them. And Lord, you, you want them to be saved. And we pray for them that they might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and their Savior. So bless our time, keep us safe, help us keep us safe as we go home. And I'll thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.